fellow planeswalkers. I'm James. And I'm Paul. And you're listening to the newest episode of the Commander at Arms podcast. This week on the podcast, we are talking about WFS and as well as Wish adjacent effects and their functionality or lack thereof in Commander. But before we do any of that, we're going to go to our upkeep trigger here, Paul, just like we do every single week. And we're going to thank all of our patrons. We love you for your support and you help us keep the lights on here in the studios as well as pumping out weeks and weeks of content. And that help and support definitely helps us push into more content that we wish to do in the future. If you want to help the show grow and support us directly, you can do that at patreon.com slash commander at arms. Now, Paul, with all that out of the way, do you have any mail day or interesting finds that you've uh, found over the week? Uh, nothing for me uh, this week, but I know you, James, were talking uh, before we started here about some things you got in. I definitely did. I got a showcase sketch foil variant, whatever you want to call it, foil harmonic prodigy, because uh, we had a, uh, a new member in our Discord channel ask us for our gear aid lists, which I already had mine done up, and Paul, you put yours together really quickly. And we noticed there were some similarities, but he also suggested, oh, sorry, they also suggested some cards to us to put in. And I went, Harmonic Prodigy doubles the triggers of, what was it, Shamans and Wizards? I always thought Geared was a Druid, yeah. and so did you. So I was like, that doesn't work. And I went, oh, here's a Shaman. You get two Rhinos tapped and attacking. I was like, yeah, I have to pick up this card. And for some reason, the Sketch Foil version was cheaper than the regular vo Foil version. Don't ask me why, but I love the sketch foil variants. Um, I don't think Harmonic Prodigy comes in sketch foil because that was a Modern Horizons two. Uh, Modern Horizons two had the sketch art. Was it? Yes. Oh yeah, I'm thinking. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the, the uh the the handbook art for the uh, Dungeons and Dragons cards. That's definitely I, AFR. I, I always conflate the two. <laughs> Well, I was like, yeah, it's sketch variants or whatever, and I just got called that it's anything that's different to the magic card is just called a showcase. But then you're trying to dif differentiate between, you know, the all the very first showcases we got with um, Throne of Eldraine moving into Ikoria. We got the comic book art style as well as the variant um, kaiju cards, I guess you would call them, right? That's what they were when they were the, the, the Godzilla versions. Sure. Sure. That's what we're going to call them here. But there's so many different variants and everything. And that is a different topic for a whole different day. But anyway, I got that. I also got Wolver uh, of Icewing Dale from the uh, the Vrondris. Vondris? Let's see you pronounce it right. Yeah. Uh, Precon, which is really cool because he also doubles the attacking triggers of creatures, which again, Geared is an attack trigger. So you would get another um, Rhino. And then after that, it was... Uh, Oh, it was the Moonblessed Cleric in foil as well. That thing was like 35 cents, and it's fantastic, and I love that card. And it's a human. If anyone needs to know, it is a human cleric. Uh, speaking of uh, deck techs, since we just talked about Girid, um, I did uh, record and uh, James edited and uploaded uh, a deck tech about Trellisara Moondancer, um, which I affectionately call Dancing in the Moonlight because it's a great song. Uh, if you haven't seen that video already, please go check it out on YouTube, leave a comment, give a like, subscribe to the channel if you're not already. Um, I worked pretty hard on that deck. I want to say I spent about uh, a few hours just, you know, thinking of cards to put in and then another like hour or so actually cutting cards to, uh, to make it down to the 99. So 
please give that video some love if you can. Uh, let me know what you think. Yeah, I love that deck. I watched that deck take through about three times when I was editing it to make sure everything was like good and cohesive. And man, you did a fantastic job uh, talking about the cards and kind of just churning through it as quickly as possible as well. I was, I was really, really impressed. And the intro... I love that intro. I watched it like four times. I showed Michaela. She loved it. I was like, that is that is the god of intros for me. Cause it's just it's it's such a good parody of our podcast intro that I mean, <laughs> it was great. It was so good, man. Like <laughs> I thought about doing something similar to, to about like when I was doing the videos, but I'm like, nah, that's that's too cheesy. But you pulled it off with pure subtle perfection is what i'm going to call it <laughs> all right so we only have one last thing here to do in the upkeep before we get to draw a card and move into our main phase one and start playing spells and that's our play of the week now it's funny we're talking about gear ed paul because my play of the week is i got to play uh commander with the commander crew guys with Corey, Chris, and Eddie on their stream on Sundays, like we usually do. Uh, if they need a fourth, they just hit me up, because by this time, I'm not a guest on that stream anymore. I'm just furniture, and I keep saying that because all their viewers are like, hey, we know, we know this guy. He's been on here four to five to six to eight to ten times, and I keep saying, Corey, man, if you ever need a fourth or stuck for someone to play a game, I'm always available to play Magic, because that's what I love doing. And uh, it got to the point where I was getting just hammered on this whole game i think i got geared out once then geared got removed and then culling ritual went off and destroyed all of our mana rocks and all of our you know two cmc less or two mana value and less sorry which was my rhinos i was like damn it i don't have a board anymore i resolved the marari's wake table went around again i was getting punched a little bit and then the guillaume player which was chris decided to cast last laugh and that is whenever a permanent that go whenever a permanent goes to the battle oh sorry goes to the graveyard from the battlefield uh each creature and each player takes one damage and then if there are no creatures on board you sacrifice last wish sorry last laugh not last wish we're going to talk about wishes in a second uh you sacrifice last laugh and with that it was just like a total board wipe i think i went down to six chris went to 13 Corey was on 16 and Eddie was on 15. I had Marari's Wake on the field, and I also had Fires of Yavimaya, which is the gives everything haste, and you can sack it to do a plus two plus two to target creature. So I, on my next turn with all my double mana, I tapped some of it, I cast Gear Ed, I swung at Chris, because he was, uh, he only had one creature. I also had Iroas, uh, God of Victory, that's very important, because it gives my creatures menace. Uh, swung at him with Gear Ed, two Rhinos, uh, dealt 13 damage because Marari's Wake gives everything a plus one plus one. So two Rhinos being 10 uh, power and then Gearhead being a three, six. And then I was like, all right, cool. Uh, went around the table again and I was, I was tapped out. So I got to keep that. And I was like, all right, cool. I had Godsire in hand and I was thinking how I could do this. How, how could I possibly deal enough damage to do something? I was like, I'm just going to get hit with the crackback. And everyone's like, oh, we're not playing, you know, colors that have haste even though they're like there are haste nebels in all colors now uh and they're like all right cool whatever yep cool i got back to my turn i was like marari's wake marari's wake was destroyed he was gonna hit the fires and i'm glad he didn't uh so the marari's wake went away and i was like oh damn i can't cast the god sire anymore and win with paul's favorite card and be like haha paul look what i did i didn't not only did i cast god sire but i won a game with god sire uh i drew into a overwhelming stampede 
and the meme of the lady with the math over her face went over my face for a second and I was like how can I do this and I was like you know what if I lose I lose but I'm doing this I took about two to three minutes to try to figure the math out because I'm not a math whiz like Paul is uh sacked the Yavimaya targeted one of my rhinos gave it a plus two plus two so it was a six six cast overwhelming stampede gave everything plus six plus six menace pseudo indestructible uh and swung populated the 12 12 and they were like oh but it doesn't get the counters because you know you don't populate counters i was like uh, uh-uh, they're not counters bother that's base so i made a 12 12 swung a 12 12 and gear ed at Corey, and then swung a 12 12 and a 10 10 at eddie and i think at after blocks it was either i think it was one over for Corey. And then it was Xaxes on uh, Eddie. And I was so happy that I spent the whole whole game, you know, getting dunked on and then came out with the victory with Rhinos. I love this deck. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a better show than my gear deck put on last time I played it. Um, man, I'm just so disappointed. I actually, I, I played with uh, Corey and a couple of the Commander Crew guys, uh, I think the Friday prior. And... Uh, I played Veyron, then I played Geared in both times. Like, I just, my, I just got, like, mana flooded out, out the wazoo. It was really bad. I've never been flooded like that before. Yeah, I, I hate getting flooded. All right, so we're going to move into our main phase one here, Paul. If you had nothing else to say in our upkeep, can we finally draw our first card for the turn? Uh, I'll allow it. Cool. Let's draw a card, play a land, and a spell. And that spell is always having a turn one play. Also, I've noticed that whenever I play on streams with the Commander Crew guys, I always have a turn one play. And the one time I didn't, I won the game. So, what does that say to you guys? Playing your turn one Soul Rings and turn one Birds. Don't do it, it's bad. Uh, anyway, enough chitter chatter about that stuff. We're going to talk about wishes, Paul. Uh, we have the slight little definition of what a wish is. So if if no one's really familiar with what a wish card is, uh, it was a cycle of cards that started in judgment way back in the day. I'm not even going to try and pretend that I know what's like, what judgment came out off the top of my head, unless you can, Paul. No idea. Cool. Um, I am, I I am pretty sure it was in the nineties. I want to say it was like 98, 99, somewhere around there. 2002. I was completely wrong. Yeah. I was just trying to find it on the, (laughs) uh, on the wiki page here real quick. Um, all right, cool. So it was a cycle in, uh, it was a cycle in judgment. There were one colored each. So it was five of them. There was golden wish for white, cunning wish for blue, uh, death wish for black, burning wish for red and living wish for green. So Paul, do you just want to break down what a wish card is for everybody who's not quite familiar with what a wish card is? Yeah. A wish and wish adjacent effects are basically any ability that says that you can bring one or more cards in some cases uh, you own from outside the game. That's the actual wording and put them into your hand. Um, so in a casual game, you can a, a card from outside the game could be like, oh, you open your trade binder and there's, you know, six Kozilex or whatever. That's outside the game uh, in a tournament, like a competitive REL setting a card you choose from outside the game must be from your sideboard no exceptions your 15 card sideboard which in some cases is pretty damn good because you normally have to wait until that match is over before you can sideboard in something against that player i'm not too good with like three or is it uh best out of three one-on-one competitive magic play because come on we, we 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 play commander paul we want that hundred card singleton i have i have a i have some familiarity with 60 card formats and uh 
Wishes are generally played in like storm decks so that instead of using spots in your deck for win cons, you can actually just like use a wish to get the win con to build your storm count like one or two steps further. Um, it also lets you, in some cases, like James said, uh, if you really need it, you can like use a wish to get the blood moon that's in your sideboard or something, uh, you know, just to give yourself a little more versatility in the initial matchup as opposed to waiting until post-game to sideboard. Yeah, and the main reason why they don't work in Commander is because we don't have a sideboard, and um, the rules committee, so Sheldon and the rest of the CAG decided that if you have to spend time, you know, flicking through your binder or boxes or whatever to find the perfect card you needed at the time, then it's probably not worth it because... Uh, I mean, games go on for ages as it is anyway. So I think it was more of a time grasp kind of thing so that they'd make them that they didn't work, except for one exception. There is one wish-adjacent-like effect that does work. That effect is companion. Uh, while not a wish effect in and of itself, uh, companion typically only works in formats where there is a sideboard because you put the companion as part of your sideboard and then when you start the game, you declare that card as your companion. Um, for some reason... This works in Commander. Uh, I don't want to pretend like I know the details of that or how or why that works. Um, but you can have Companions in Commander exactly the same way you do in 60-card formats, but without the sideboard that you would normally put them in. I think when Companion first came out, just playing it from, quote-unquote, a secondary Commander zone seemed pretty powerful for some of these effects. Like, I mean, Lutri got banned before we even got to play with it and play test it and i totally see why i mean it is a spell doubler sorry a spell copier from the command zone that you can cast at flash speed um i think it did a functional errata on that one to make sure that it was it kind of dumbed companion down for i guess competitive play and also it dumb, i think it dumbed down too far for edh because we don't really ever see people playing companions uh as the companion i mean i play uh lurus of the dream den in tesa because it is a amazing three mana three two with lifelink and lets you play things out of the graveyard but i would never play it as a companion in that deck because i want to play more than i believe it's uh you can't play anything more than two cmc in, in your deck that restriction is nuts yeah you wouldn't even be able to play tesa so yeah exactly and i think for that like <laughs> Me companion was a really cool mechanic but i think yeah just i don't know if it was executed exactly how they wanted it to be done originally because yeah it is now you pay three generic mana to pick up your your companion and put it into your hand and then you pay its mana cost and put it on the board put it on the stack it resolves it goes on the board so it'd be the same as if we had um if command attacks worked like that you know like instead of just you know, playing your commander from the command zone for its mana cost, you would pay two mana, put it to your hand, and then pay its mana cost and put it on the field. I think that would just, that's kind of how companion works. And if it worked with commander, that'd be just, it'd be so weird to see that happening. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still weird to me that companions work in commander. Like, I, I've, I've accepted it at this point, but it's still a weird, unnatural concept to me. I'm not sure if that's the word that I want to use, but it's the word that I'm going to use. Um, like you said, a lot of them don't work, but the ones that do, like Gairuda and Karuga, I think are two of the more popular ones, which we did a deck tech about a Gairuda companion Moldrotha the Eventide deck a long time ago. That was episode three, I think. And um, 
it's 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 still weird to me that you can have this hundred first card and a lot of people called us not crazy, but a lot of people thought that we were being a little like over dramatic when we thought that companion was insane in commander. Um, and it's just weird that like in retrospect, yeah, maybe we were, but in theory, it is truly like something to be scared of. Yeah, because it is we're we're a hundred we're a hundred card singleton format. And having a 101st card in Commando was just like, okay, everyone has to be running a a companion because it just adds one extra layer of uh like depth to your deck, but also adds that's the thing with Commander as well, and it's gonna kind of leeway into a topic we're gonna talk about in the second half of this episode. Um but it's like deck building restrictions again, because I mean, you're already restricted by what colors you're playing on your commander, but then when you add the companion, you're restricted even further about what you can play. So commander was supposed to be this, you know, big, all inclusive, you play any single bulk rare common card, 10 cent, one cent card that you want to play. doesn't matter. You have the absolute full pool of everything that has ever been printed bar the, the ban list, right? And then you add Companion in there, and it's like, oh, well, you want to play Lurus in a reanimated deck because it's phenomenal in a reanimated deck, but you can't play anything over 2CMC if you want this to be a Companion. That doesn't really help you unless you were to play, you know, a 2CMC white and black aristocrat-style card, which I can't even think of a commander that does that at 2CMC. Um, there's, uh, ah, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a cleric from, uh, Oath of the Gatewatch, I think, right? That sack stuff. It's uh Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the one you're talking Ailey? about now. Yeah. I was also thinking Aura uh from Zendikar Rising, but I believe he is higher than two CMC. Well at any rate, uh we did a whole episode about Companion very early on. If you want to hear more about it. It was that. our first episode. <laughs> yeah, that was that was it our was first our episode. it was it was our break it was our yeah, our you know, our release into the world is how does companion work and why is it good slash bad? Um, I would say go back and listen to our first episode if you haven't listened to it, but I also think as content creators, Paul and I have definitely stepped up our game, uh, in this last year and a bit that we've been doing this, this show. Uh, so maybe go back and check it out or just, uh, we can give you the TLDR in, in this, in this episode. Yeah. I mean, uh, it'll, if you do go back, it'll be funny to see how things have changed since then. And that really wasn't that long ago. That was just a year ago, right? Yeah, it was. But I still feel like we've we've come on a very big journey since then, Paul. Anyway. Uh, but this episode is mainly about wishes and wish-adjacent effects. Um, so, apparently it's been a big topic of discussion as of late, as far as we know, that wishes... Well, the topic is wishes working or not working, Commander, and whether or not it's a good thing, a bad thing, if they should work, if they shouldn't work. Um, I think James and I are on the same side on this one, uh, but... I am of the opinion that wish cards are very unique and it's very unfortunate that they don't work in Commander. And for that reason, I feel as though they should have the text from like Karn, Great Creator. Uh, there's also another one that gets like an Eldrazi or something. Coax from the Blind Eternities. Um, those can get things from Exile as well. And I feel like we should just quote errata, end quote, every wish card to have that text that you can get something from exile as well. Uh, only because, and again, 
a lot of these wish cars are so unique and so cool, and there's not really a lot of ways to interact with things in Exile. Uh, I know that is by intention, but in a singleton format with very high variance, I feel like having more of those effects, especially if somebody gets really screwed with their commander, because I know uh, with the new rulings, like Rune of the Hidden Realms is pretty annoying to deal with, um, and various other things, I'm sure. But... I just think that opening up a little more opportunity for some cool interactions couldn't possibly be a bad thing. Also, uh, with the learn mechanic, which is very similar to Wish, uh, it already has a functionality built into it for Commander, which is you can discard a card to draw a card, also known as uh, looting. No, not looting, sorry. It's rummaging. Yeah, rummaging. Yeah, because you have to to discard first. Uh, Looting is you draw a card, then discard a card. Yeah, you throw it away and you pick up something new. We got there in the end, Paul. Learn, Learn has a rummage attached to it, which already gives it functionality in Commander. But I feel like it should be able to do something with Lessons. Because Lessons aren't really that inherently powerful. There are a couple of good ones. But for a lot of decks, they would really appreciate being able to tutor their library for a land and put it in their hand. Or, you know, scry two and draw one for three mana, whatever the case may be. Is there a lesson card that, like, lets you ramp in colorless? Uh, it's not ramp because you just put the land in your hand. But, yeah, there's a lesson that's colorless, that's two mana. You look, you search your library for a, a land, put it in your hand, and then you gain two life. Man, I actually forgot about that one. Hey, I remember there was a card draw one that was kind of like, it was a three mana brainstorm, I believe. Yeah, it was it was three mana scry two draw one. It was a three mana preordain. Preordain, that's it. I always get those two mixed up. It's still not terrible. I mean, people wanted white card draw, and here's a little bit of extra card, like white card draw, if you're willing to throw things away. And in certain in certain decks, like uh, the mono white cleric bird from Dominaria, who cares about artifacts being in your graveyard, that wouldn't be a bad bad thing, really. You could build like a uh, a really cool like. I mean, it's already a really cool mono-white artifact deck, but having the ability to preordain at three instead of one in colorless and also, you know, go and get a planes out of your library and put it into your hand is also really... It's deck thinning in white, and then when you do draw, you're just drawing straight gas. I mean, we've also got things like, you know, uh, land tax that does the same thing kind of stuff, but that's a whole different kit and caboodle. But I think some of these these lesson cards would be really cool in the mono-white slot, as they're like, you know, they're not as powerful as their colored versions, but they still kind of help mono white a little bit, I think. I mean, even outside of mono white, like, uh, there are decks that would just, you know, sometimes you say like, oh, I just, I wish I had a land, right? And yeah. if these learn cards could do that for you, because a lot of these learn cards are actually like not that expensive, then we might see learn pop up more often in Commander. Because as of right now, it's... I want to say one of the mechanics I have seen the least in Commander. I haven't seen a single person play a learn card. I haven't either. And even though it does already have that rummage functionality built in, I really wish that the lesson part of it did work as intended. Yeah, do you think that if wish cards were able to uh, effectively grab us things from Exile, would that make cards like Path to Exile or Swords to Plowshares worse as a removal spell? Because it no longer... It would no longer, like, remove that card from the game in its entirety anymore. Um, I don't think so. I, Because I, here's the thing. People aren't going to run, like, bear in mind that the, they still have to match the type of the card that, that Wish is trying to get. So, like, Living Wish gets a creature or a land. 
that would be that and death wish would be the only things that could get like your commander at exile for example um i think where it becomes really interesting is there are cards that actually exile cards from your library like on purpose um usually used with like mist hollow griffin combos uh, i can't i can't think of the names of them off the top of my head uh and i'm not going to search for it right now uh, but I think those cards get a lot more interesting because those are also unique effects that don't see play in Commander because there's basically no point unless you're playing, like I said, a Mist Hollow Griffin combo or, you know, an Eldrazi, uh, whatever that thing's name is. James knows. He always tells me what it is. I always forget it. Uh, sorry, which Eldrazi? The one that you can play from Exile. Eternal Scourge. There you go. Eternal Scourge. Got there in the end, mate. <laughs> um, cards like that, are where you see those exile cards from your library cards get played. But if these wishes actually did what they said on the card, except, you know, instead of just outside the game, it counts exile as well, then we might see some cool, you know, interactions with those cards. We might see those see more play in Commander. And I think it actually ultimately will lead to greater versatility in decks, not only in uh, casual Commander, but I think also CDH, like Storm decks, might start playing cards like that. Yeah, I mean, I was just looking at some of the like the original uh, wish cards from the Judgment Cycle, and there, it's it's interesting to see that like I think out of the five, there's there's one instant speed which is Cunning Wish, and it is three mana, so it is three mana value. It's two and a, a blue to go and instantly go and uh, it's an instant speed spell to go and get an instant um, uh, card from outside of the game. And then Living Wish, sorry, Death Wish is like go and get a, uh, just, it says choose a card from outside of the game, and but you lose half of your life rounded up, and then you exile uh, Death Wish. So, I was, yeah, I was like, oh, is there a little interaction if we, if these things were illegal, could you just like loop your Wish cards in and out of exile into your hand? but I don't think you could, or if you could, it wouldn't be with the original Judgment Cycle. Um, I'm not seeing a way to do that. The closest you could possibly come is, like, Death Wish can get Cunning Wish, but Cunning Wish can't get Death Wish because it's a sorcery. Yeah, no, that was just a weird little rabbit hole that I went down as, as, as you were talking about, like, playing things from Exile, which Eternal Scourge, Squee, and Immortal, I mean, they can both be played from Exile, which is really cool, and I mean, they're, they're also like pivotal parts of food chain combos as well um i mean there's also been wish cards printed like even as recently as well i mean one just just got printed in uh adventures in the forgotten realm but even like fey of wishes from eldraine was a wish for four mana um and that card doesn't see play because that that side of it has no functionality in commander and if it did, it would be like an actually a really good card because it's a repeatable uh, wish. It doesn't get creatures; it gets non-creatures, so you can't like continuously dodge commander attacks with it. But I don't know. I just I I I I think that it would be okay to at least test out that adding the exile effect onto these wishes. Um, whether or not it's like actually good. I'm pretty sure you need to try it in order to know that for sure. Yeah, and I think that's where where we're at now is I think we've seen some some playtesting and stuff. Like there's there's a 
actually there's a card from uh is this i think this is rivals of exelon that i didn't even see have a wish effect on it and that's mastermind's acquisition it's two and two black for a sorcery that says choose one search library for a card put it into your hand then shuffle your library so i mean it's, it's a demonic tutor for four mana at sorcery speed or it's a there is already a four mana sorcery speed tutor in black but i can't remember its name but i can see the artwork in my head diabolic tutor that's the one see it goes both way pauls sometimes <laughs> i kind of remember the cards and you can and yeah it's great i love the the ebb and flow anyway uh yeah it says choose one basically you know uh, demonic tutor or you can go and choose a card from your own outside of the game and put it into your hand i had that in a deck i had that in uh in my turgrid deck and i just didn't even see it as a wish card honestly i saw it as a uh as a as a tutor card and i think it's cards like that that have the modal that if that said you know you can either go and get a card that you own in exile or a card you got in your library and put it into your hand that card would see a lot more play because it, the fact that it is modal and i mean everyone who is a fan of the show or has, has listened to the show for a while knows how much paul loves modal spells i do love modal spells and fun fact about this one in particular i actually i played a game one time with uh somebody who i never played with again um and i've actually talked about this experience on the show before not this part of it perhaps but he won the game because he didn't tell anybody that he had a sideboard and he masterminds acquisition for a Torment of Hellfire. He, he got it from his, quote, sideboard, end quote, but told nobody before the game that he had a sideboard. He just pulled it out of his deck box. In Commander? Mm-hmm. Wow. Didn't even, obviously didn't go to the uh, the Commander website, which I can't remember what it is on the top of my head. Uh, go to the website and check out the, I think it's 11 rules that you needed to to... to to kind of abide by to play commander and that's uh that comes down to rule zero talks that we we've already talked about on the show and everything but that is major breach yeah that is that is a super breach in like the social contract we have in have in commander but at any rate paul do you have anything else you wanted to say about wishes before we move into our combat phase here no sir excellent let's move on to our combat phase uh i'm gonna swing up with some rhinos how do you declare to block paul i'll take it all cool so i'm you, you're gonna <laughs> lose the game just that's fine all right cool just just I, i'm gonna get some chips and dip sick uh can you also <laughs> get me some chips and dip also anyway uh, uh no you killed me uh, that's totally fair i got two other players to deal with <laughs> all right cool let's go to our combat face here and we're gonna hear a message from our sponsors right now welcome back from that ad break paul how are them chips and dip oh man my boy hooked me up with the spinach and artichoke mm. i'm cleaning out that tub tonight <laughs> <laughs> I wish we were a food podcast, but we're not. We're a magic podcast. So let's get back into our main <laughs> phase two here. As I just killed you with combat damage, I'm going to try and cast some more things. Maybe hopefully win this game that we're theoretically playing meta knowledge. We're not actually playing. Anyway, main phase two, we're going to get into something. We're going to talk about uh, another side of kind of card that we saw an errata happen. So we just talked about cards that functionally do not work in Commander. But what about a card that got errated and reprinted, I want to say recently, uh, but now works a lot worse in Commander than what it ever did before. And that's Oubliette. Paul, do you want to explain to our viewers what Oubliette is? Absolutely. Oubliette is an enchantment. Uh, it is one black black. Uh, it when it enters, it's basically a black oblivion ring, kind of. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, it phases out 
target creature as long as Oubliette is on the battlefield. Uh, and now the difference between that and exiling is that phasing a creature means, or phasing a permanent in general, means it does not actually change zones. So if you Oubliette someone's commander, they cannot choose to put it back in the command zone as a replacement effect. Um, I've talked about this interaction before, but if you were to have an opalescence out, which turns each enchantment into a creature uh, with power and toughness equal to its mana cost, and you had a panharmonicon, you could, if you wanted to be an absolute meanie, uh, cast an oubliette, its ETB will trigger twice because of panharmonicon and the fact that it's a creature, um, and you could phase somebody's commander and then phase oubliette itself, and those permanents will be completely uninteractable forever. That person will never have their commander back. There's no way to do so. Um, and even though that's a real neat scenario, the fact that it's possible seems like it like that, that just shouldn't be a thing. Um, the way Oubliette was previously worded, I believe it exiled. Um, and then that permanent would just like come back with everything that it had, all the counters it had, which is essentially what phasing is. Uh, but the way it was worded before, it was still an exile effect. And since it was reprinted, they had to update the wording so that it would fit in the text box, which means that they changed that to phasing. Uh, and with phasing, even if you just have Oubliette out, enchantments are actually surprisingly difficult to interact with. And if that opponent doesn't have any way to interact with it at that time, they're going to be losing their commander for quite a while. Um, and for that reason, Oubliette works worse now than it did prior to its uh, errata. Uh, reading the original Arabian Nights version of Oubliette, yeah, it was an exile effect because it said... Uh, that creature is considered out of play as long as Oubliette is in play. And I believe it actually says on the Arabian Nights version, uh, when it leaves the battlefield, return that creature to play. I believe it actually uses that wording. Uh, if Oubliette is removed, creature returns to play tapped. Yeah. So that wording alone implies that it was an exile effect. I can't exactly remember from before the errata, but I'm pretty sure it was an exile effect. And then if their commander gets exiled, what seemingly be forever, then what are we really playing here? Like, what what does that set a precedence for in, like, the new state of what commander could be? If this, if this interaction was more widespreadly known that every black deck was running uh, this kind of interaction, would that just make, like, commander a whole different format to what it is now? Or would they have to ban something? Or... Would, do you reckon we'd ever seen Oubliette ban if people were going to abuse this this interaction in, I believe, all Zov colors? I think it's a little too niche. Um, I think that would probably fall under the Rule Zero argument, like, hey, could you not Oubliette my commander forever? That'd be great, thanks. Yeah. As a commander player who literally builds his deck around his commander which is what I feel like you should do, it kind of feels really... It's like a really... It's a, it's a feels-bad moment when they go, well... See you later. Your commander is no longer a thing. You'll never get it back. I would probably just end up saying, all right, cool, I'm out of the game because I literally can't do anything. I'm just going to go find another pod to play in. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. And like I said, even with Oubliette just being an enchantment without that, you know, cheesy little interaction I mentioned, it's still quite a hassle to deal with because you are playing Sans Commander for however long your deck decides that you are, basically. Like, if you only run six to seven pieces of interaction for enchantments and artifacts, sorry, but you're probably <laughs> you're probably playing a commanderless deck for the rest of the yeah. game. Yeah. So having 
a way to kind of interact with the exile zone now would be i think a really cool design space that they could push into um because of all the reasons we said in main phase one uh but with uberliet aside we have one last little talking point here that we wanted to get off our better just get off our chests and kind of maybe help newer players kind of understand how it works and it's something that i i guess like us as uh seasoned players just kind of took for not really took for granted but kind of just understood how it worked and that was hybrid mana symbols we've talked about them before on the show when we when we talk about cards we say you know it's oh it's it's hybrid Orzov or it's hybrid selesnia or it's hybrid uh, simic but what does that actually mean and what's the easiest way to explain it to a new player um the way that I usually explain it is, and we have the uh, uh, like semi-official wording here, is that each hybrid mana symbol represents a cost that can be paid with one of two colors. And usually what I'll tell anybody who asks about that, which I haven't actually heard this question in a while, so I'm glad we're talking about it now, uh, is uh, you can pay that cost with, like, if they're looking at a white-black pip, I'll say, like, oh, you can pay that cost with either a white or a black, but you don't need you do not need to pay both. Um, it gets a little trickier when people ask about like, oh, how does it work with devotion? Um, spoiler: you, it only counts as one or the other. You don't count it as two towards devotion. Uh, but the main thing that comes up with hybrid mana is identity, and it's been a consistent debate in the magic community. I see this at least once a week, uh, if not more often than that. Uh, hybrid mana cards should count as one or the other color because you can pay one or the other color of mana for that card. And again, I've seen this time and time and time again. Uh, I am of the opinion that hybrid mana cards are where they should be. Uh, Their identity is, you know, both the colors that they are because, for example, like Kitchen Finks is a green and white card. It's not a green or a white card. It is both green and white it is targeted by things that target green and white creatures. Uh, so for me, at least, the identity is exactly where it should be. I don't think it would be very intuitive. I think it would be very weird, for example, if I could play Kitchen Finks in my mono-white Elish Norn deck. That would look very strange, not just to me, but probably to a lot of the people that I'm playing with. Uh, I understand the argument for it. I just don't particularly think that it is correct. Yeah, I think the main argument for uh, hybrid mana being one or the other is to kind of open up the card pool a little bit. And like you said, have Kitchen Finks available in a mono white deck. But I mean, that would really just see it be a combo piece in mono white with Anafenza uh tree spirit kin tree spirit i believe it's called yeah it's not bad because it gives mono white a little bit of a leg up but then you're kind of opening up the floodgates to every other color getting possibly more broken versions of cards that we have already but because they're tied to you know two colors sometimes three colors it's a little harder to kind of get those into certain decks, which I think, yeah, I'm of the opinion as well that hybrid mana should stay the way that it is. And I'm, I'm very glad that it doesn't work the way that uh, Mark Rosewater said it did or tried to get it originally to work. And that's that the color, the card has no color identity in your hand. And then it gains the color identity when you cast the spell, depending on which mana you used to cast it. Um, it also gets a little unintuitive, or sorry, non-intuitive with 
there are some like older cards from like Shards of Alara that have like a solid mana symbol and then a hybrid mana symbol. And I think in those cases, like Slave of Bolas is a, an example of this. It's three hybrid red, blue, and then solid black, five mana. And I think in that case, it might get a little confusing, uh, like what decks you can play that in, what decks you can't play that in. Obviously, some of us will know, being you know seasoned players, we can understand that. Oh, you can play it in your Demir deck, you can play it in your Rakdos deck, or you can play it in your uh, Grixis deck. But to a newer player, it might not be immediately evident. It's similar to uh, Beseech the Queen. Uh, it is two or a, it's two or a black, and it's three of those. So you need to be paid with six generic mana or three black mana or any variation thereof. To me, that should be a black only card. It shouldn't be allowed to be played in a colorless deck, like an Eldrazi deck, if you were to be playing um, uh, Kozilek the Great Distortion, or any of the other of the uh, any of the other Eldrazi Titans as your commander. You shouldn't be able to run a what seemingly is a you know colorless card, but it realistically is a black card because then, if we open that that gate as well, the Beseech the Queen could be then played in every single deck because it would be a colorless card and not or it'd be a colorless card and a black card um i'm not sure if that if if mm, i don't know that's a tricky one but i mean that's just even more reason why we should just treat hybrid cards as both or all three of the colors whatever the case may be that they are yeah see i was trying to make it hard to explain why you would want that and because you weren't able to i think is a good reason why we should keep them the way they are because of that fact that maybe like it's it's even a little hard for us between two you know very well off seasoned players to kind of make it easy to uh, to understand people who don't who probably wouldn't have that understanding to begin with and yeah, I think, like I said, just leave it as it is. Don't touch it. Everything is working fine and as intended. So I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go messing around with anything else. All right, Paul, did you have any final thoughts on hybrid mana symbols for anybody? Only that I know what we're saying is quite a point of contention. So obviously there's going to be uh, dissenting opinions out there, which is perfectly okay. You know, we always enjoy a healthy discussion. If you have thoughts either to the contrary or similar to me and James, feel free to let us know. Uh, if you're on YouTube, leave a comment down below. If you're on Twitter, uh, just go ahead and let us know there how angry you are at us for dismantling your dreams. Um, <laughs> we'd love to hear it. And uh, yeah, just please, whenever, whenever you can, just reach out to us. Definitely. And with that, we're going to bring this episode to a close and move to our end step now and pass it over to the next player at the table. So we're going to uh, yeah start our... our uh, End step here with our Discord server. So you can find out uh, you can find our server on Discord, which is Commander at Arms. We'll also have the link in the show notes below. Uh, if you want to get at us on Twitter or Instagram, you can do that at CMDR at Arms. And like Paul said, you can at us, tweet at us questions. We will answer them. And if you have a good enough question or something we see is relevant or interesting, we'll even put it in one of our episodes coming up where we continue to do these kind of what are questions that we get from, from the community? If you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to hit the like button, subscribe, hit the bell notification button as well, and leave a comment. If you're not on the YouTube, go check that one out. It is Commander at Arms on YouTube. We do deck, deck techs unboxings 
and the podcast also goes on there as well. If you want to support your local game stores and buy online and have your cards shipped to you and kind of help us as well, you can do that through our TCG affiliate link at tcgplayer.com slash commander at arms. If you want to rep a commander at arms logo across your chest while you're playing at your LGS or even just online, I wear mine every time I record a deck tech and I hope Paul does the same too. Uh, they are super soft Bella canvas t-shirts. I love mine and the link for those will be in the show notes below. Again, I want to thank all of our patrons for allowing us to do this content and open up and just do more content, more video content and more uh, podcast content and as well as hosting more events on our Discord server. If you want to become a patron and help us support the show, you can do that at patreon.com slash commander at arms. And now, Paul, do you have any final final thank yous for our listeners thank you to everybody who is listening and thank you to everybody on youtube who has been watching the deck techs uh even if this is the first and last episode you ever have or ever will listen to it means a lot to me and james that you took the time to do so if you did happen to enjoy what you just listened to uh please feel free to share our name around tell your friends tell your play group uh, let them know, hey, we just listened to these uh, cool guys, Commander at Arms. They got a lot of like hot takes and cool opinions that uh, you may want to hear. Uh, and now more than ever, uh, we really want to encourage some uh, interaction from our audience. So please, if you have anything you want to say, even if it's just a, hey, howdy, how you going? Uh, please shout out, uh, shout out to us on YouTube or Twitter or, you know, even Instagram we have. Uh, any way that you can communicate with us, please feel free to take advantage of that. If you want to even jump in the Discord channel, and I'm usually in there daily. Uh, and with all that, I'm James. And I'm Paul. And you've been listening to the newest episode of the Commander at Arms podcast. Peace. See ya. See ya.